Hi, and welcome to another episode of Coffee with Mirko, the podcast and live stream where we talk with coffee professional and on, and we're just very happy to have you here. So first and foremost, I hope you're safe, hope you're all well, and uh, it's just a pleasure having you here. Um, today we got another amazing guest, and we're going to bring him on right here. He's right on time. He's Chris. Hello. What's up? Hello. Guten Tag. Guten Morgen. Guten Morgen. How are you? <laughs> I'm fantastic. How are you doing? I'm good. Do you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. I love the, love the shirt. Thank you. Yeah, I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, th uh, first and foremost, uh, Chris, uh, it's so nice to uh, meet you and uh, thank you for giving us uh, time out of your busy schedule so i'm very grateful for you to be here and uh, how are you and your family with the whole pandemic I would, I would say we're we're pretty good we're trying to keep keep a little bit sane it's a uh, definitely challenging <laughs> times. but i have a small daughter so that's also been a little bit challenging not not a lot of kids but you know some of my friends have three or four kids and that's much different <laughs> but still uh Oh, here you go. Hang on. It's freezing. Hold on. Here we go. I got you back. Sorry, what, was, what did you ask? Well, where are you located? I, I, didn't, I don't know much about uh, where you are. Uh, Melbourne. Melbourne, Australia. So we... Um, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful place to be, um, minus the lockdown. But, you know, grateful to have a roof and... Uh, Coffee, water, food. So, we, you know, I can't complain. I really can't. Um, well, here it's been a little bit of a utopia, I would say. They, we, they really handled the COVID um, crisis a little bit differently. And, and in a lot of ways, they helped to, like, pave the... Yeah, you know, I have a little cough, but it's not... I'm not saying... <laughs> in a lot of ways, they, they helped to pave the way... Um, for how to do this kind of testing. So they were, in Germany, they were very, very well established with doing track and trace kind of testing. Um, so we were able to open up a little bit earlier than most, I think. But yeah, I mean, here it feels pretty much like normal again. That's, that's beautiful to hear. Uh, us was the opposite. We, um, we thought we managed well the first hit and uh, we reopened up in June. And yeah, I think today's day nine of, uh, I'll be off a harsh air lockdown, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. You're locked out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for here, it's very difficult with, um, I would say some people have cafes that are either really effective or they're having a certain business. So for us, we're kind of in the middle. So we have cafes that, because we are a tourist cafe, that people come from also all over the world. I think we fare a little bit better, but since there's no tourists, it's, you know, we're kind of stuck in the middle. But it's, you know, I can't, I can't complain. We're actually opening a new shop next week. So right, we have, congratulations. It's fantastic. Well, we, we, we agreed on this before COVID, um, but even then we're trying not to let COVID-19 really affect our decisions as much as we can. 
because I think if you know, we, we did put the brakes on the project for a while and now we um, decided to go about a month ago. So we should be open next Wednesday. Uh, and it's in, the, it's in the north in Prince Lauerberg. So yeah, we're excited. And, and speaking of which, uh, just to jump right into it, because I know you're uh, quite time constrained. Um, you know, Korean SCA trainer, good friend here, said Five Elephant. Five Elephant is my favorite coffee shop in Germany. And you touch base on being a quiet tourist destination. Um, what values and what ideas were behind it? And what's your story and journey in coffee? Well, we started. Um... I would say in, in dinosaur times, <laughs> though we had, you know, it was, it was a long time ago and we had a lot of, a lot of friends who were very interested in purchasing coffee directly, um, working at Origin. I came from the U.S. where that was already an idea. And maybe, um, I mean, this, I don't know when, when it started in Australia, probably 10 years ago or. Yeah, that's. About 10 years ago, still kind of set wave and people were starting moving pieces. But yeah, definitely we spiked up five years ago, yeah. I, I guess you would call it the third wave that this sort of swept into Europe. Um, we tried not to really associate ourselves with a wave, but we had a lot of the same philosophies. Um, you could pretty much, I guess, look on every bag, how they position themselves. And this is pretty much a normal thing these days. Um, but back then there was... Uh, Coffee Collective, Intelligentsia, Stumptown, Blue Bottle, I guess it started. Can you hear me? Yeah, I, I, I got you. Yeah, yeah, I got you. So counterculture, you, you know, you could count on one hand the companies that were doing it back then. So we, we thought it would be a new thing in Europe, relatively new. And we decided to, from the very beginning in 2010, roast coffee, work as directly as we could with producers, uh, try to increase value at origin. Um, more importantly, work in a way that we knew was traceable and trackable. So we also knew where the money we were paying on green beans, where that was going. Um, that was important to us from the very beginning. Um, we had a couple of friends here who were very much into coffee and the coffee scene in Berlin was just incubating in a way. Uh, but if you want to say it was incubating, it. it 120 years ago, they invented the paper filter in Berlin. So, I mean, this is like, this is actually a very old filter coffee tradition here. Unfortunately, it got hijacked a little bit by very cheap, low quality Robusta. So we had, we had an issue, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s coffee here was seen as a very bitter drink that you don't, you basically don't drink at all. So we had a lot of, they call it Oma, Oma coffee. So grandma, grandma coffee. Yeah, so Oma, we, yeah. We were stepping into this scene where we, you know, we were very interested in, in baking cakes. Uh, my wife and partner was coming from Vienna. So we thought it would be a really great mix to, um, yeah, work, work with our hands, do something that we really loved. And more importantly, and enjoy, yeah, I would say the most important thing, enjoy what we do. Um, because that's something that for me in my life, that was always really important that we liked working with coffee, but therefore we needed to know that we stood behind every part of it. So let's say 
what's happening. Uh, I mean, it's the same thing that everyone is saying these days, like uh, having having tra traceable sourcing, uh, knowing exactly where where your coffee is coming from. But I, I would say that we're doing a little bit more work um, cultivating value at origin. So we're doing, we're trying to develop school projects in Kenya, for example, we're doing, uh, working with producers in El Salvador who are also doing, uh, you know, rehabilitating their farms and providing medical clinics. Um, so we're making sure that the money that we're spending extra in a premium is actually going towards real projects that we're involved in. So rather than like blanket, uh, how do you say it? Um, coffee tourism. <laughs> so yeah, uh, a, lot makes of, sense. a lot of people are, are you know, I, I would differentiate ourselves from some, but I'm really excited about the number of people around the world who are focused on this kind of project and uh, this, this kind of topic. And I think it's, um, yeah, for me, it's, it's actually, it's helping to, to show us the value that we've been putting in over 10 years and we're seeing it. We're seeing that all of these, you know, great roasters around the world are are focusing on on create on doing real good projects um, and changing people's perception as a kind of um, as a community, right? I mean, we're all part of the same uh, same type of mentality. Which I think is there's not really a way to, I would say, say that you're doing something different these days. Some people are, I mean, Tim Wendelbo's out buying a farm and working on his own organic production, which I think is an extension. Um, but I think, I think I'm seeing more of a shift that producers we're working with, we're trying to get more involved here on the consumer side. So this is something that I see as a trend that, and also a good trend that we're not thinking of this as like an up to down uh, relationship, but we're thinking of this more of a real partnership. You've probably heard this a lot, you know, people saying my farmer or, you know, my kind of putting a possessive, um, the farmers that, you know, that I work with or the farmers that I pay, but that's not really, for me, that's not really the way to think about it. I want to think about this more as a, a holistic approach to say, you know, because we have our own challenges here and we can, we can connect with, with people who we can, we can help and they can help us. There's no like, we're, we're, we're at a higher level than they are. Um, and that, that's, a, that's a, stig a stigma that I think we really need to, to break. Because we are in the people business, in the people industry. It's all about the people, isn't it? You know, coffee is beautiful, but the chain is made by people. Pickers, producers, importers, roasters, baristas, and even good old Janet picking up her three-quarter strength decaf cappuccino. It's fine. And, and coffee brings people together. What I like about what you just said, which is a beautiful spill, is that you shaped five elephants around that because you shaped it around the pillars of your belief and value system, which I think is paramount when it comes to uh, career as well as business. If someone was just uh, focused on, you know, if it was only money-driven, I'm not demonizing money, but if they put money as the primary objective, then they're going to do all the shortcuts and the action to navigate towards it.
you see, you put instead values and your passion, you know, making things with your hands, working with coffee, edit, ethically and directly trade sourced coffee, working more as a partnership and long-term relationships with origins. And those are clearly showing uh, your pillars of your value scale. Yeah, I think that's, that's, a, that's a good point because it, it, it seems to, to be ex, you know, exponentially growing in some way that we, we try and it, it's, it's one of our biggest challenges that, and we talk about this quite a lot within our company and with, with some of our key staff. How do we, how do we um, spread this idea from, to our staff and with our staff, um, especially when the company you know, when you're growing and when, when things are changing as fast as they are in the coffee industry, you're constantly having to reevaluate your short-term and your medium-term goals uh, as we are now in COVID. So how do you, you know, how do you develop and shift and change your whole focus of, of where you're, you're focusing uh, your efforts, you know, how, you know, how you're having a revenue streams if you have to suddenly change and go well, 180 degrees, how do you bring your whole team and your whole community with you? So this, like having these very defined values is something that I think is helpful. And, and it's also something that's just for us, I mean, I'll admit it, we're personally, it is a huge, uh, difficult issue and topic in our company. Um, a lot of people, you know, everyone has their own ideas personally about, about where they're going. Um, and I'm really, I've really been into reading a lot lately about um, this shift in, in this, the social sphere between, let's say, the Vietnam War or the, the civil rights movement until, until these days, um, and seeing what's happened and how the individual has really, actually, unfortunately, through this peace and love movement, um, the individual consciousness has taken hijack um, I hate saying that, but it's taking hijack over capitalism. And so we have this huge, huge issue at the moment where everyone feels like they're the ones who have the freedom to grow a business in an unhealthy way uh, like this. It's, it's, it is a, unfortunately a pyramid scheme. And so unless you're focusing on how do you make, you know, keep a healthy system around that, um, a social system where you have, uh, you know, it's a kind of, I, I won't call it necessarily a welfare state, but you have to have, you have to give back. You have to keep yourself down somewhat in order for capitalism to not get out of hand. Um, the good news, the good news, I think, when people are like that is that it's not good because it's a bit bad, but they don't sleep at night. Often... They don't sleep at night. They don't go up to bed thinking, ah, oh, it was a good day, you know. And, like, I think that there's a – when you go that 180 flip, a lot of people, A, burn themselves out because as it's – as they build an unhealthy business, you can only build it if you're also unhealthy towards yourself, I feel. So I think healthy business is also healthy stuff, uh, healthy ownerships, uh, both in mind and and body so definitely that's one side of it and the other side is that i think that a lot of people are catching up a little bit you know there's some great global brands who are so clearly 
you know, you can see their purpose. What I can truly see from you, and people gather that, and you're translating that today, is that you really care about these issues, which is exactly what we need, people who actually care about it and do something about it. Yeah, I think it's, it, it, is, it is refreshing to see a movement of people, you know, for me, that, that at least pick up on this, you know, think about, think about, you know, refrigerants. It's an important topic. I mean, it, it's, uh, you never would have, 10 years ago, this, this uh, never would have been discussed, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, this is, I think, thankful to social media and us being able to share, uh, you know, what we think in feed. And I, I guess, you know, most people have a, a reasonable uh, way of thinking. And, and, you know, when they're judging what they want to do and what brands they want to work with or purchase or, or which they value, then they, they can choose. Um, and for us, that's it's something that we really are, are working to communicate more. Um, maybe you met Veronica, who is doing our social media. I just called her out. She's probably laughing in the other room. But, um, <laughs> no, I'm sure she's not laughing. So we, we're working a little bit more because we've been doing all of this stuff a, a little bit more behind the scenes. And we're now working on how do we share this more? Uh, because I, I really believe that sharing by doing is the, is, or showing by doing is really one of the best ways, rather than showing by um, saying. So we, we, we want to really just do this and, and bring people uh, into our world of what we're working on um, and the projects that we do. And guess what? The, the best part of this is it's trial and error. Like there is no right or wrong. For instance, there's a big conversation in Melbourne because about a year and a half ago, a coffee roaster in Melbourne started uh, printing their tasting note cards uh, where they were literally saying, this is how much, you know, they usually charge for a kilo at origin. This is how much we paid. This is how much it cost us. Here's your card. And, you know, it built a bit of controversy because some people are saying, oh, you know, you're trying to make yourself look good. Others opposite are like, oh, yeah, we want more of this. Guess what? There's no right or wrong. They are going that direction, which it's interesting. Others are doing more, you know, movies or books or they're doing more social media work. And it's just a matter of gathering thoughts, sharing them, and then eventually people will just... Uh, glue and stick to them and at the end of the day look we live in a world where a lot of people do certain actions and follow certain brands to feel good about themselves which is okay uh, in this case it works in our favor because then of course i want to support the projects that gives back to the community and the farmers so there's a feeling good behind it but if it's genuine then it's a double win I think that's a good, it's a great point. Also, what do you say about this debate about whether or not, you know, which way is the right way? And, uh, you know, to me, that's, I think the main problem with coffee is that we have a lot of faceless coffee producers. So we're not, it's not like the wine industry where you have your vineyard and you can produce your wine and you can actually, when you're done, you bottle it yourself and you bring it to the front of your, like, Tuscany villa and you sell it in your little wine shop and you, you know the end price like this is to me the biggest problem in coffee still is that 
coffee producers are, are generally having nothing to do with the coffee once it leaves. Um, and this is what I was getting back to a little bit earlier is how, how can we promote more involvement on this end? So uh, whether or not it's, you know, some kind of, you know, involvement with our partners in, in new cafe developments or invol involvement with them in, um, you know, economic activities that we have on, on, on origin. How do, we, how do we help them? How do they help us? And how do we work together to achieve um, this objective of, of truly working together? Because otherwise, I, I still feel like, the, you know, the, the coffee roaster has the upper hand. They, they have, they essentially dictate through like sea market pressure what the coffee price is. And this is something that you know, the main issue, whether or not you're, you're, you're showing people how much you pay at Farmgate or you're showing people um, videos of your relationships, the, the main point is, is to communicate, get the message out. What is, this, what is this relationship about? Who is this person who we're working with? And yeah, what, what are the conditions around the, you know, this economic activity that we're doing? Because, you know, it is, it is economic. That's... Uh, it is a commodity that we that is traded and and it's a business transaction so <laughs> yes and look the best and worst part of it is that ultimately you know the the scale you know the you know, it's been it's going to be determined by individual consumers that's yeah. you know every market every economy is based on individual actions so for instance um, you know, at the supermarket right now, where I go, they have loose carrots, you know, just you can pick one, two, three, five, or you have 10 carrots in a plastic bag, okay, which is obviously, to me, is not that smart, environmentally speaking. Uh, yeah. If tomorrow, everybody in my suburb stop buying the plastic bag carrots, within 30 days, the supermarket will see that they don't need that, and they're going to dump that product. Okay. Until people buy that, they're going to keep selling it. So that's where I think, I think we got to, you know, we, we can't take a step longer than our legs as sometimes we want to. It's, it's, a, it's a marathon, so it's a bit of a patience game, even though it's, it's frustrating. Uh, but it's about those one-on-one -on -one conversations that we have behind the coffee machine with the other person on the other side of the bar, conversation that we have here, uh, social media, and eventually it's about those individuals making those choices themselves and you know i had a friend of mine who's not into coffee he drinks it i went to his place and he showed me what coffee had and i was like look that's fine come to my place yeah. or drink some other coffee tell me what you think and all of a sudden it's like yep 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 makes sense and all you gotta do is spend another two, three, four dollars extra for a little tiny bag of coffee, which in all scheme of things, it comes down to cents per cup that he makes at home. So I think it's about conversations. And like you said, and like I said, there's no right or wrong. We just got to try different formats until we find what works best for each company and for each individual to translate the message and don't get it lost in translation. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's... That's an important point, and I do hope that it can somehow evolve without having too many mixed messages or, or too much cloudy thinking as far as uh, 
marketing perspective because you see how many different people try to, um, you know, there's something to be said about the direct trade logo. We don't use it ourselves. We do work directly, uh, directly with producers in, in most cases. And I think that what's happened is that we've had this kind of like, uh, yeah, the dilution of the message that you have. And this is something that I think is, is not good these days that you have, um, you know, but I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that I, that things will change, that this kind of a medium in power also is a, a way to empower a coffee producer who wants to get their message out because they can actually see what's going on. And they can, they can also, it gives a little bit of a, a check and balance. I mean, it's a very powerful tool to be able to communicate across the world um, like this. And so I, I am I'm optimistic. I, I want to ask about this message. We currently do have so many messages that are out there about uh, what's what's the best. So I think the, these are, these people who are aligning with transparency um, in coffee pricing. I think this is a relatively. This is why I think that's good. You know, that that it's it's a it's a factor that strips out pretty much all other kinds of messaging. It's just a it's a basic fact. This is a price that we pay. And you can use that to compare what is that price you know, for that country, because every country has its own um, economic uh, calculations, how they, you know, how they work. How can you compare this coffee that they pay this uh, to that coffee at the same country that paid that? And what's behind that? And it gives the consumer really something to think about and also to, to measure that it's, an, it's, an, it's a number. Um, and everything else is, is kind of spin, I would call it. You know, that every, everything else about, you know, we go to origin and we work directly. Um, what does sustainability mean? <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's such a buzzword, isn't it? Like, it's like... What, what does it mean? Like, it's a word. It should have a definition. What, what is that? <laughs> It depends who ask who you ask to, because if you ask the WHO, they have a certain idea. Governments have another idea. Farmers have a different idea. Roasters have a different idea. And I think I think that it comes down to a couple of things that I've heard into this podcast across the across the topic that we're discussing. Number one, I think that for many years, uh, let's call them, let's put the label, especially coffee roasters they've been fighting the wrong battle, so against each other for a little bit of market, versus the real battle is actually against the big guys, because ultimately that's the real battle. That's a big war. I mean, it's a negative word, but you get me. Um, and something that I liked from a recent podcast was that even if we decide to go, okay, I'm going to increase my coffee price by five cents, but every single cent of those five is going to go back to the farm. Then, you know, the person was talking, I was like, well, I can, I can manage, I can work around that five cents, whether it's five, six, seven, eight, twelve, doesn't matter. It's just a starting conversation for their business. Um, sustainability, you know, you mentioned wine, you know, it's safe to say coffee is so underpriced in comparison to wine. I used to trade wine about 10 years ago back in my hometown in Italy. And then 
it comes down to bold moves from us and from people in the industry to say, okay, everybody, let's put up the prices for a latte. Let's put up a price for our espressos. And, and it's an evolution. It's a, it's a slow burner. And ultimately, it's about making life better for origin people to start with. Because really, this is all what's about, right? We're not talking about fancy French or Italian vineyard on Tuscany Hills with all the wisdom bells. We're talking about developing all third world countries where, you know, they don't have the luxuries and privilege that you and I have. That's really, really, that's what it's all about. This is what it's all about. And I'm asking a question from Bag, asking, how are the baristas at cafes able to help and support that purpose and vision? Which I think is a relevant question. You mean how, how are our cafe uh, baristas able to support? In general, because Beg, Beg is a beautiful barista from the UK uh, and he probably wants to know that for himself as well, to spread the message at his cafe. So. You know, I, I would actually, I would strongly recommend that you, sorry, it's telling me I've spent 30 minutes on Instagram, sorry. Um, <laughs> so how do you spread the message? I, I think uh, doing, doing a little bit of research, you know, there's certainly a lot of great um, outlets out there. I know, you know, Perfect Daily Grind is probably writing a lot about specific farmers that they're working with. Um, Good. You know, if you have your favorite roasters who you know are doing good things, you can follow their Instagram feeds. Um, they're telling a lot of stories about what's going on um, in coffee, so you can you can learn a bit. In a lot of cases, if you speak, um, so I, I'll say Spanish at this point. Although I know, you know, they certainly. Uh, I'm thinking about Central and South America, but if you speak, I don't know, Swahili or some other language uh, in Africa or. Uh, or Mia or something, Ethiopian language, you can probably for sure um, reach out to people. Everyone, pretty much everyone these days has a phone, they have WhatsApp. I think in a lot of cases, you can actually, you know, if you're a barista, you can actually do some research, contact a farmer who you're serving their coffee, go, go straight through the roaster. Don't even talk to them. You know, you, know, you would actually make these people people's year, they would be extremely, at least the, the people that we're working with, if they got a message from a barista that they wanted to have a you know, 15 minute call, that you would, you would probably make, you know, make their year. I, I think I'll say it like that because, because when I, when I, when I experience um, the, the joy and the excitement that our partners work with, when they see where their coffee goes to, Having more of an engagement with that process is, um, I think, what, what really makes it worth it for them to, to wake up at, I don't know, five in the morning, uh, day after day, and, and constantly battle um, selling coffee under, you know, production costs. I mean, it's, it's, it's really important for them to have a voice. And if you're a barista, you should, you should help amplify that voice. I definitely love what you said because I never heard it so far. And what I would add to that, because you made my brain go into a bit of a digestion process, um, I think that what you're doing is really establishing that connection and then 
you are able to be much more emotionally engaged to talk about their story because you have established a connection directly with the farmer, which I never thought about it, which I think it's something that, yeah, we should, we should all do. Because then if I talk to Janet or Jennifer or John about that coffee, I can actually say, hey, I spoke to Jose, Pedro, whoever it is, uh, just a week ago. And yeah, they told me this story or that story. Um, yeah, and, and, and also you make their, their day, their week, their year, which I think it's amazing. I, I'm, yeah, I really like that. Um, but also, like, if you think about, you know, what the people winning World Barista Cup and the championships and competing at the highest level, I mean, we've, we've been getting a, a, into competition. We've been doing, uh, the last seven years, we've been doing competitions. And I would say... What do you expect from a great barista who's on a national, who's on a, you know, a international level? What do they say? Every single one of them says, I have this relationship with a farmer. I was there. I had visited the farm. Like I took a holiday there and I went and I processed some coffee. I'm not saying that most barista salaries can, can, um, afford that. Yeah. Or, or that it's necessary that every single, um, you know, we have an environmental catastrophe these days um i wouldn't recommend that but the phone is a great way like the, the, the video calls um Goes, getting, yeah. to, getting to the producers because that's what we expect from baristas who are competing at the highest level so why wouldn't we expect that most baristas would have an interest in having a relationship directly with a farm i mean it's 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 also uh, it's really easy. It, 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 takes- it sounds so logical and easy, and yet you're the first one that I've heard with this concept, which I love. It's I great. Think, it's it, a great. It, it, when every barista in the world is contacting five farmers, but you know, for now, there's a lot. Of, people have a lot of time on their hands, so give it a shot. And Chris, I know you're super uh, restricted. You know, I know you need to go soon. Um, oh, okay. I'll tell you when I have I have a, I have a few more minutes, so it's fine. Okay. Uh, before I let you go, I ask all guests this question. It's a bit out of the box, but it's in the format, um, and it kind of breaks it down, and then we get back to the real coffee topic to close it up. But if you could, who would you like to have dinner with? And it doesn't have to be in coffee, anyone. Who would I like to have dinner with? Um... Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, Bill Gates. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense in this day, especially now, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, a real dinner, I guess, uh, I, I think it, it may be a little frustrating only having that much time, but because of the way his, his brain processes, um, you know, he, he uh, he's probably, yeah, Bill, I mean, yeah, I would say either him or um, Noam Chomsky or... Um, yeah, well, actually, now you're getting me thinking. Maybe it's not Bill Gates. Good. Uh, you know, I'm very much interested in, um, you know, a lot of linguist uh, uh, studies. You know, a lot of the uh, professors that were working at MIT or um, people who were really thinking and engaging in this topic of where, you know, where are we? Where are we going? Um, yeah, so I, I, I could probably give you a short list, but... That's okay. Yeah. No, no, I'm, no, I'm sure. It's a, it's a little out of the box, usually halfway mark, um, but I want to yeah, hear but, yours. 
these, these people are thinking, um, they, first of all, they have the means to, uh, I mean, maybe not Noam Chomsky, he's more just a thinker, but the people who have the means to really think and, and, and get rid of all of the superfluous chatter and really think about how to tackle astronomically difficult challenges. I mean, th this way of thinking is really inspiring to me, I, I would say. And yeah. I mean, I might get a lot of pushback about Bill Gates with the whole microchips and all that stuff, but you know. Well, I think, yeah, go on. Who is yours? Just uh... Ah, you're the second person asking. That's fantastic. Um, my, mine is simple. Uh, it's, I'm not sure if you know him. His name is Gary Vaynerchuk, and uh, uh, Gary V goes by, and uh, it's just an incredible, fast-thinking individual. And uh, yeah, I love to have dinner with him, hundred percent. Have you had dinner with him? Or no, I wish. <laughs> I wish <laughs> one day. Um, look, and, and to be quite fair, though, uh, kudos to you because I think that the thoughts that you share quite inspiring towards the changes that you want to achieve across the industry because you've said you know going directly to farmers as far as a phone call and video call goes which is already thinking outside the box and the things that you're doing behind the scenes and the things that you just shared are inspiring to the people going to really listen to this podcast and re-watch it because you are the type of you are the Bill Gates that the coffee industry needs because you are literally at the forefront. So we definitely look up at you, which is fantastic. Oh, thank you. I mean, without without the money, I guess, but that's uh, we don't we yes. don't do it. <laughs> I'm not saying that we're you know we, we are able to grow uh, grow as a company and we're focused on on doing it in a healthy way. So it, it's. Um, yeah, thank you for saying that. But it's, you know, I, I certainly would disagree. I think there's a lot of other inspiring people that I look up to in coffee, but... 100%. Know, I, I have to say that, don't I? Yeah, and we, look, we... So, we yeah. Go on. Well, I mean, look at, um, you know, the people who have come before us and also helped to, to shape where we came from. Um, you know, we had, we certainly had some great... Uh, we had some forward-thinking roasters here in Germany. You know, Cajote was doing, pushing direct trade from the, you know, very early on, maybe at least a few years before us. And we, we aligned with them uh, a little bit with our first of our Brazil purchasing. But most of our inspiration came, I guess, from what Jeff Watts was doing in Intelligentsia. Um, this for us was really where our moral compass was pointing. Um, and what, what a lot of these companies were doing in the U.S., where they were really focused on these kind of uh, engagement. You know, Tim Wendelboe was, I think, for all of us, uh, somebody who, um, because he was, you know, so so pretty. No, I'm kidding. No, he was. He's a he's a friend. Uh, actually, he was he was he was doing it in a way that was extremely professional. You know, so it, to professionalize in, in at least in Europe. Um, what everyone was doing, you know, everyone, no one really had much money in this, in this movement when they were starting out. So we all just you know, put what we could into it. And to see someone who was so serious and so professional and respectable with what he was doing from, 
how he was competing to brewing to uh, his ethics and his philosophy, also this Nordic mentality. It's, it's something that very early on from 2011, um, we really aligned with that philosophy. Um, so a lot of our, I would say our, our moral compass is pointing towards this Nordic idea. Um, also what, you know, what they were doing in the US. So I, I, I think Berlin was interesting for that fact that it had, we had this huge influx from Australia, from New Zealand. We had, um, I think it's one of the reasons why it's, I would call it, and I'll, I'll just say it, I think it's the most diverse coffee city in the world. We have, uh, we have a Turkish, a huge Turkish community here. We have a, an Austrian style of coffee. We have an old traditional German style of coffee. We have Nordic influence. We have American influence and Australian. We had these Australian, 2010, we became the Australian baristas and they, they showed Berlin what good service was and how, how you can actually make great quality drinks. So I, I, I think in a lot of ways, um, yeah, I mean, I think you've talked with a few other, you've talked to Ralph and, and maybe to Bonanza already or? Uh, yeah, I've talked to Ralph and also had the uh, pleasure to talk to Tim as well early on a couple of months ago. Uh, and I agree with you. I think, I think Tim is also another great example of one of those characters uh, like yourself and Ralph and others were, who have been shaping the foundations and uh, you guys are all building the foundation to leave behind a legacy uh, for the bigger purpose. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, someone else will, will, will also step up the game and someone else will come up with something else. And uh, I think well, that... They right I think they do, you know, and we... And you know, part of, um, I think our main goal is not to have such a reactive uh, response to these kind of uh, new things that come. I think it's better to embrace it and try to connect with it as best as you can um, and, and adapt because it's, you're also just going to get steamrolled by whatever the next new thing is if you don't focus on it. So from, from, a, from a smaller, you know, if we were a, a bit smaller and maybe opening, um, more recently, I would definitely give that advice that you need to not shut yourself up and do not, um, do not live in a bubble of your own, you know, opinions of yourself, because that's uh, really a dangerous place to be for a lot of yeah. reasons, you know? Yeah, uh, uh, that's, there's nothing to add top of that thing that's beautifully said. And then look, I, I think ultimately the hack the real hack is accept and thrive towards innovation. I think uh, don't be stuck where you are. It's important. But whilst you're on that journey, uh, don't forget your moral compass at home. I think it's so important. You can still apply innovative way of thinking, innovation as far as where is uh, machinery, where is uh, surface, service, where is uh, the venue or the coffee, Yara, yara, yara. As long as you got your morals and your belief system right next to you, holding your hands, and then you can go on the right direction. You, well, I would say so. I'm actually going to contradict myself a little bit, usually, because a lot of times in, in, I mean, this is business, and we have so, you know, we have 
50-something uh, staff in our company. So a lot of times with a company who's not so flexible, um, you can't be as agile as, as you want to be, and you may find yourself in a situation where you have, let's say, a cost center or some kind of project that you've been working on which is going down a direction which you can't necessarily just end or stop. And so you need to sometimes... Sometimes you have to have this overlap. You have to have this, this period and be, it's something that is hard to share how, um, because it, it, you may end up going in a direction which is not in your moral compass and you need to change. And it does take time to change. I'll, I'll give an example. We have, we've worked a lot with certain customers, um, you know, and, and when, when they start growing in a way that it becomes, um, a larger part of your business and you need to you need to get back into a more healthy place for your company you can find yourself in a situation where you need to make pretty difficult decisions about how to move forward and how to navigate that and some of these decisions could take uh, two or three years to get up. so this is something i think most business owners they they will admit that you can't always just do what you want to do um, and this is also a difficult, a difficult thing. Um, and it's something that a lot of people, I think, don't talk about because you end, you end up in a situation where, and it, it, it happens with everyone. If you don't, if it doesn't happen with you, then probably you're not, you know, I don't know. I get you. Uh, look, obviously, you know, there is a fine balance. Uh, and, and you're right. You can't always do what you want to do. Well, I suppose what I meant it was more, as long as you don't lose yourself, you can lose yourself within the process and all the whole cliche I'm stuff. We, I'm not saying we do. I'm just saying that, you know, you have to make hard decisions. And, you know, yeah, whether, yeah. But without being too harsh on yourself, if 95% of your business decision or 90 or 80% yeah. or the vast majority, you know, still align with those values, I think... And you're right, not many people talk about this. And that's why, you know, uh, people often cover success and define success with currency rather than happiness, gratitude, uh, purpose, uh, how meaningful and how impactful you are towards, you know, others. For instance, in your case, uh, your pillar is to give back to the origin. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And so, so when you when you're making a decision about what to do on this end, who your customers are, would you would you sacrifice a situation that uh, doesn't necessarily align with your values if it helps you to achieve your goals at Origin and building communities with your staff? I mean, it, it comes down to, to questions like like this because it happens all the time, and you, you're constantly put in situations where you need to make decisions and grow your company. So I, I think yeah, if I were to give some advice, it would be really, you should always eternalize that and always try to get back to your center. So you, you will find yourself going off in a direction uh, or a tangent and try as hard as you can not to get stuck in that direction because it, it can be tempting, right? You can sometimes realize, oh, this uh, new vision of ours, it's more profitable or you know let's get rid of these things that are part of what we really believe because it just happens and 
Um, so that's, that's, yeah, that's a difficult choice. Yeah. And I think going back to where we were uh, at, the, at, the, at the start of this uh, chat, again, we, are, we sometimes are too hard on ourselves because there's no right or wrong. So I think that even then, you might take a decision out of 1,000 that you've taken in the year, and then that decision, you know, a year later, two years later, you're like, ah. But then the other 1,000 plus decisions were aligning. So, you know, it's okay. That's, I think it's okay. The, yeah, I think that's the point. Yeah, well, yeah, I think, um, you know, we, there's not much else that we're, we're working on these days. Do you have any, any questions or... Um, look, I think I know. I know you, you. You soon need to go, and thank you. So I'll take this chance to um, thank you for popping by and staying with us for for, for this time. And people are going to re really listen to this, going to really get value. Um, the usual question that I have to close it off are: What's your coffee mission? Which I think we covered that extensively. But what's next? What's next on your planet uh, with your mission? So we're, you know, besides what we're doing at Origin, our, our current goal is to solve problems in, let's say, solve coffee problems. So if we have, one of the main problems that we have now is that, you know, our end consumer, which is, you know, what we're, we're basically focusing on these two ends and how to connect them as good as possible. Uh, our end consumers are not as, you know, they have, they have some coffee problems, I call them, uh, as far as how to brew coffee, how to make coffee, how to enjoy coffee at home or in our cafes. We're working on the cafe part, and now we're working a little bit more on the end consumer part, how to engage with our customers at home. Uh, so we're actually, I'm in our, our new training center. We have a, a video, um, I, I, I could show you, but it's just being painted as well. But um, we have a, a video training center that we're working on, um, also to do more multimedia um, and more training videos for home. Um, we have some new machines that we're releasing, uh, so some home machines that are a little bit more affordable that we really will stand behind. So we want, to engage, yeah, we want to engage customers more in how they can make coffee at home, also small offices, uh, because times are changing extraordinarily fast and how people are enjoying their coffee is also changing. So we want to adapt to um, help people solve the problems of how they can find uh, and make coffee in, in a new challenging um, environment that we're in, which I don't think is going to go away anytime soon. Um, I agree with you. And I think it's beautiful and uh, I love what you're doing and just keep pushing those boundaries, keep doing what you do and uh, uh, you know, I've been I've been a big fan of your brand for for a long time. I went, you know, you were pretty much one of the first coffee brands that popped out out of the European bunch when I started, you know, my coffee career nine years ago. Yeah. Especially, you know, five years ago, I jumped more into the specialty zone, and uh, you know, you guys, you know, and then I was lucky enough to drink your coffee here in Melbourne because there's one couple of shops that were international roasters, so I was lucky to have. Uh, some of your coffee which was delicious um yeah it was such a pleasure having you i know you gotta go to a lot of stuff yeah, and your daughter so, yeah the cafe opens uh yeah it's new it's a it's a neighborhood cafe up in uh Kovitz so it's 
it's not far, but they're, they're delivering a countertop today. And I'm trying not to, you know, I was talking with my partner and my, my wife, um, who's the same person, uh, about we were at the store the other day and we started thinking, oh, you know what, this is starting to become a little normal that we can open a shop. And, you know, what we have, you know, we're still doing it a lot ourselves. So we had a van filled with, you know, all of the stuff for the new store. And we have our list now, you know, what we need to buy when we're opening. And it's becoming a little bit normal. Um, you have a template and a format. That's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it, it's we've been doing this long enough now that we're we're you know we're trying to find um, great neighborhoods that you know that we can really uh, also that are underserved with coffee. This is this goes back to our current goal, right? That we want to really focus on on helping people to have better coffee. Um, yeah, and the coffee that we believe in makes absolute sense. Um, Danke schön. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate our chat. I'm feeling super grateful and I'll, I'll shoot you a DM. I know you need to go, but uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time and story and the insights that were really, I will sit down and uh, do some thinking for sure. Good. Yeah, take care. Be safe. You too. Take it easy. Good luck with the shop and your daughter and everything. Okay. Stay safe. Bye -bye. Ciao. Um, there you have it, guys. Uh, it was uh, it was a beautiful uh, 40, 53 minutes. Uh, it was only meant to be here for half an hour. He, um, he he obviously went up above that, so I'm very grateful and thankful that he was able to. I think we just touched base on um, interesting topic. It was very a fluid, very fluid chat. Um, we. I didn't have too many questions prepared just because I knew it would have been only half an hour, but it just flowed really well. Um, you could really grasp and feel uh, the passion, the, the fire that he has inside about what he really cares. And that's something that I often talk about on these episodes. That's what really matters. It's, it's, it's such a not much talked kind of conversation. Um, happiness, passion, purpose, drive, it keeps going, values, uh, because there's a lot of etiquettes and, oh, you shouldn't say this, you shouldn't do this, you should be doing this, you should be wearing this. There is so much superficial stuff, clout surrounding us that stop us to actually do and talk and act the way that we really, that really resonate with us. Um, and hearing Chris was so refreshing. Refreshing because that's really what really matters. Um, and there's no right or wrong. It's not about believing in, you know, the earth being flat or round. It doesn't matter whether it's climate change, it doesn't matter how political it is. Whatever you're doing, you need that purpose and those values. Um, there's a beautiful Japanese uh, scheme where you pull in the circles your values, what you're good at, what can you actually uh, charge people for, uh, what's your, you know, your qualities and your strengths. And then it kind of shapes you into the right direction. Uh, and again, there's no right or wrong direction, so I correct myself. Uh, so yeah, I think it was really refreshing. So I hope 
you enjoyed this episode. Um, we got three more, as usual, next week. Uh, oh, no, oh, next week, I think it's four. Uh, There's actually a special one. If you're still listening, the few people still online, uh, next week we'll be actually able to take you on a, a virtual live tour of a coffee farm in Indonesia. So I'm very excited. I should have said this to Chris. Um, but yeah, we're going to do a farm tour. Uh, at least half an hour at farm and then half an hour back at HQ. Uh, probably they're going to do a little bit of a cupping or Q&A about that farm. So that's an exciting episode for me and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, before I close off, uh, big shout out to everyone still here. Uh, Tanti, Vag, Peter, uh, Andre, Yuki, Victor, Laxfolk and R716. So yeah, I really, I really appreciate you. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free as usual to reshare the IGTV, take a screenshot, share with your friends. I think what Chris said about opening these conversations and start changing the way people thinking starts from this, start from sharing, start from opening those conversations and get to the table, sit down, talk. And uh, that's how change happens. And yeah, I hope to see you next week. There's some pretty good surprises for you. Uh, Tanti, watch out. There's going to be an Indonesian coffee farm virtual tour uh, live with, uh, I can say, Mikael Jassin. So he's coming up. He's coming back with us. So I'm very excited to have Mikael again. He was very kind to offer this opportunity. He's touring farms. So we'll be able to do... Uh, yeah, a live show, different than usual, uh, different format, and let's see how that goes. So, again, thank you for being here. Very grateful. I will let you go. Please be safe. Show the love. Naked Coffee, uh, good to see you. Hey, man, um, you tune in slightly late. I'm closing off. And, uh, yeah, it was good to be here again. I'll see you next week. Uh, Naked Coffee. I just dropped a news. I'm gonna, we're gonna have a Miko Jassin uh, virtual live tour from a coffee farm in Indonesia next week. So, guys, stay tuned as usual. Check our stories, check our feeds, and we'll talk soon. Please be safe, and uh, yeah, I'm sending you all love and positivity.